You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. Episodes 58 through 62 are a part of a five-episode series devoted to G Suite activities, add-ons, teacher extensions, and student extensions. In episode 58 and 59, we'll go over 40 G Suite app activities that you can implement in your classroom tomorrow. In episode 60, we'll introduce some of our favorite add-ons to enhance your G Suite experience. Finally, in episodes 61 and 62, we'll break down some of our favorite extensions for teachers and for students when working in the classroom. If you need some inspiration for digital lessons, these are the episodes you've been waiting for. Check it out. So let's go right into forms. Uh, we have a couple different uses of forms. Uh, you could use forms for a peer survey, and this would be to gather data per, for uh, persuasive writing. So uh, you asked your peers a couple questions, they answer it, and then you have some statistics that you could use to kind of sway your audience one way or another. You can make a web quest out of forms because forms has the capability, once you provide an answer, you can give them another URL, which could keep the activity moving. That is pretty awesome. Uh, you can use forms for a do now or an exit slip. Uh, I love ways, little ways, five minute ways of collecting evidence from my students so I could see how the next day I have to tailor the class. If there's any misconceptions, they often can shine through on a do now or an exit slip. And then the last one is kind of a crossover between forms and sheets. And this is probably one of my favorite new uses of this, and that's to make a resource or project link collection. Now, f most of the time I use Wakelet to collect all my resources and things like that. But if I'm a teacher and I'm working on an assignment where each student has their own, say, e-portfolio that they're going to add stuff to it throughout the year, and I want a one-stop shop place to find each one of these uh, hyperlinks, I'm going to ask them one question on a Google form. I'll have it automatically collect their emails, and then I will say, what is your URL for your e-portfolio. Please make sure it is a shared link. So anyone that has that link uh, is able to view it and then also share it with me. And the reason why I do that, maybe I want some students to have feedback or to provide feedback on someone else's e-portfolio. Then that shared URL is in one big collection. And then when they share it with me, I have editing rights if I need that. Uh, more than likely, I would want that because I would want to make a copy of that site as an exemplar uh, if I really Really like their site later on just to kind of use to show other students but I think that's an amazing way of getting everyone's stuff together so each other can view and present comments in the in feedback that's cool I want to jump back to the web quest so when you make a just trying to envision this. So the form, it would probably just be like one question long, right? So the, the whole form is one question and then you set up the answer feedback so that they have to type in the correct answer to get a link. And that link, I guess that would like, the link would then take them to the next, a different form 
that has also just one single. So there's almost like a series of forms that are each one question long. Is Do I have that idea right in my head? Well, you could do it that way. That's a lot of work. Uh, what I would do is make one question per section. Okay. Because when they answer a question correctly, then you could give them a link as the congratulatory uh, message. And that link will take them you know, to a resource that they could use on the next section. And I would just keep that going. That way you don't yeah. have 50 different uh, Google Forms out there. Yeah. Okay. Because that's what I that's what I was envisioning. I was like, oh, that'd be cool. But man, that's a lot of work to make all those forms and then keep them organized too. All right. So let's hop right into sheets. And uh, Nick, why don't you go ahead and take some of these sheets uh, ideas? Yeah, sure. Sheets also underutilized. Uh, I think a lot of people, teachers assume if you're not in the math science world and sheets is not for you. I disagree. So much you can do. And I've been playing around a lot more this year with Google Sheets. And I think there's more uses than most of us uh, assume. One of my favorites just from the past couple months is as an answer checker with something called conditional formatting. I'm going to circle back around and get into that a little bit more in a second. Uh, But you can literally use a sheet as a way for students to type in and check their answers uh, and get feedback on whether they're right or wrong immediately. You can create a checklist with Google Sheets. It's just like a nice, simple use, almost like a rubric. We could even add that in there. You know what I mean? Build your rubric out of a Google Sheet. Uh, budget reporting, progress reporting, sort of keeping track of, I don't know, if your class has some kind of a, a point system or if you've if you've gamified your class where students earn points for certain things, you can keep track of all that. If you're running a game in class where students are earning points in teams, you can keep uh, those points tallies in that Google Sheet and the students have uh, view access to it so they can log in and see their point totals or their group point totals. That's a a great use. Um, Class thermometer uh, to sort of gauge where the class is at. What am I missing there with class thermometer? What does that entail? That's another, that's just another uh, way of gamifying your classroom. So if you want to base your thermometer on whatever number you want, say 100 degrees, if you want to run averages between classes on quizzes and stuff like that you could do that put them in groups uh you could do any type of way of showing progress really i know the student council once did penny wars and they used thermometer to you know kind of show the results of the penny penny wars live results of the penny wars so that's another one if you're going to use them for discussions and this is really one that we should put into sheets and i just totally forgot about it right now sheets is how i keep my scoreboard for uh, class discussions i put them in groups in teams and what i'll do is it's kind of like uh around the horn on espn i'll uh award groups uh points based on their quality of answers and based on if they have the ability to understand what groups are talking about and ask quality questions so really all this is just a way of gamifying the classroom showing a representation of data and getting students motivated to uh, do something. That makes sense now. It's a great idea. And then our last one for Sheets is a final four, which I'll kind of let you walk through and explain that one too. Yeah. So final four, you could easily manipulate your Sheets to represent a bracket. And there's a lot of templates out there for this. And for this, I'm thinking back when I taught uh, science, biology, uh, in March, I would always do, I would ask the question, who is the most influential scientist or uh, 
lab researcher in science, and we would go through every famous person. And the famous person, the first thing that the students had to do for homework is they had to give a, I think I said like a 50-word pitch on why this person was important to science. And they had to make, it's kind of like the wanted poster. Okay. But it's not wanted. It was like a superlative poster almost. And they had to brag about their uh, scientist. And we hyperlinked those uh, posters to the final four bracket. And then students would use forms to vote on which one that they thought was better for each matchup. And it would go through. And we would talk about one matchup a day in March until we got done. And usually it was Darwin or Aristotle or... Archimedes or Einstein that won, I think. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's cool. I didn't think about that, but a great use for sheets. Um, I think we got to circle back and, and definitely address uh, the idea of an answer checker with something called conditional formatting. I just discovered how awesome this can be um, as a way for students to get feedback on answers they're coming up with. I'd started using because I noticed with my AP class especially, if they're out there and they're working on like trying to solve a problem, they come up with an answer and a lot of them, they don't, I don't know, Either they don't want to ask to see if they got it right, or they just, I don't know what it is, but they'll just say, yep, there's my answer. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I guess I'll just move on and keep going. So I wanted to give them a, an easy way where they didn't have to, you know, raise their hand or go through some big hassle to find you know, where the answer is or look it up. I pushed everyone out a Google sheet and what they would do is after they got an answer to the question, and this was numerical, but this could work with words as well, uh, in a certain cell, and I made sure they knew where to type that answer in, they would go to that cell in the Google sheet, type in the answer, and with conditional formatting, you can set it up so that that cell will change color based on whether the answer is right or wrong. So I'm pretty sure in Google Sheets, it's under the, the format tab, but there's an option there called conditional formatting where you go in and you can just set these parameters for certain things that are entered into the cell and then choose a color for what the cell is going to do based on what's typed in there. So for this particular thing I'm describing, because they were numerical, I set my conditions so that as long as they the answer was between a certain range, it would change green and it changed green. So the students would like, oh, cool. I got it correct. If it was outside of that range, it changed red. So they knew they got it wrong and they were super into it because they were getting this feedback straight away and they didn't have to bother checking in with me or worry about, I don't know if they're like embarrassed that they got it wrong. They can just sort of do it themselves. It was really powerful and they're all obsessed with getting a full list of green colors because it's, I don't know, just kind of looked nice. It was like uh, some good feedback for them, made them feel good to get all their answers green. You can do this with words. Uh, So if there's a certain word answer, you can set the condition so that they have to type in that word exactly, or a couple different versions of the word for it to change the color you want. Um, That's like my, one of my favorite new uses of uh, Google Sheets. So I want to just throw a couple other ways of sprucing this up. First of all, at the top in the first uh, cell, you could always put uh, some type of a resource, whether it's a video, it's a collection of pictures, it's an audio resource, uh, YouTube video, whatever it may be. And that could be something that they could use to help them answer the questions. Also, you can make a new column and call it, I don't know, like help. So if 
they really have no clue how to answer that question. They could watch a video or look at a resource and that will help them kind of shape their answer a little bit. So this is probably best used for formative assessment and really trying to help students get rid of any type of misconception that they might have with the content that you're going over. Let's get right into Meet, I guess. Uh, you ready to move on to the next one? Yeah, let's do it. Google Meet. A couple of different ways that we could use Google Meet. One is for a class review session. I think this virtual learning is going to really help push this out as a possible uh, mechanism for a class outside of the walls of the classroom. So a lot of times students ask me to either come in before school or after school. And a lot of times I really don't want to use that time because before and after school is when I get a lot of work done. So maybe we want to offer a recorded session or we could record meet and we could offer a session on like a Sunday afternoon or Sunday night or something like that where students can drop in, ask questions. I think meet provides this opportunity to really kind of make this a reality. I wouldn't want to make it as like a uh, best practice, but maybe I would use this uh, for midterm reviews or quarterlies or some of the bigger uh, tests. So everyone could get together during that time. And if they don't get together, we can still make a recording session because oftentimes I have to come in three or four times before or after school to make sure that everyone has a chance to be a part of my review session. So I think that is one. Guest speakers, you could always bring in uh, guest speakers into the classroom. I have an author from California, an author from New York, a scientist from Arizona. These are just a couple that I bring in probably once a year for different classes for different teachers. Uh, it's good to develop a resource list that will allow you to do that. Uh, the next one is a playoff of uh, mystery Skype and you could do a mystery meet. So one teacher reaches out to another teacher. I would strongly suggest just using Twitter and finding someone within your PLN. And then the two classes meet up on a meet and then they ask each other questions so they can try to guess where they're from. And this could get very, uh, this is very fun for students. I, I definitely hear a lot of excitement coming out of the middle school. I just thought of this one, a meet Socratic seminar. So once again, you could use the power of recording a Google Meet to kind of help you with grading later so you can focus on whatever the students are saying, or it could be played back for anyone that was absent, but the teacher would ask the question and then every student before they get into this uh, Socratic seminar was, was given a number. And when that number is up, uh, they have to come on and answer the question and give their two cents on whatever we're talking about. So these are just a couple of the uses for Meet. I mean, you can hold a traditional lecture on there if you want to, but we tried to pick a couple things that took Meet you know, to the next level of creativity. And we, you actually recently just discovered there's some uh, extensions you can add to your uh, Chrome browser for Meet that allow students to like do, do a little hand raise. So if they're listening in, you know, they can kind of let you as the speaker know or whoever is speaking at that time that they have something to say and add into that class discussion or whatever it is you're doing. So there's some a lot of cool ways you can play around with that. Yeah, we'll put the, uh, we, we just did a blog post and it, there was a YouTube video that was uh, attached to that that showed you three or four different extensions for Google Meet that kind of 
took Google Meet to the next level. So let's get into one of my favorites, and that's Sites. You're like the Google Sites master, I think. I, I would say that I really like Google Sites, but uh, I wouldn't call me a master because of that whole creativity <laughs> piece. Uh, I'm not a designer, uh, but however, I could find some pretty cool uses of how to implement projects into Google Sites. And that's, that's really our first one is project sites. I, I looked at how many project sites I've had created over the last couple of years, and I'm over 100. For, and these are all different subject areas. So I'm very proud about that because I think it just makes an amazing resource, uh, not only for the teachers that I'm working with, but also when someone posts on Twitter or something like that, that they're looking for a project for this. It's very easy for me to just share that website, allow them to make a copy and uh, kind of give them a nice resource that they don't need to spend a lot of time on. Yeah, I have found Google Sites is like a very convenient way to host project information because the kids can always just go there and click around. Some of the other ideas we came up with for Google Sites, e-portfolios, if you want your students to collect all of their, uh, I don't know, whatever they're working on or their their creations over the over a long period of time, they can do all of that in a Google Sites format. Uh, for me, I like to assign each student their own site and then all of their individual sites are linked to one sort of umbrella website so that everybody knows where to go to click through and access each individual site. It's sort of like a nice alternative uh, assessment where the students can demonstrate their mastery of a topic or, or maybe of an entire course all dropping everything into their Google site. And I think the reason it works best for that is because they can embed everything into it, right? You can uh, very simply add videos that they've created. They can add docs, they can add slides. All of the work they've done can be embedded in the Google site. So it's like a nice way to accumulate all, accumulate all of that. Uh, lab manuals, as a science teacher, this is fantastic. Uh, my students know that when it's lab time, they go to my website, they click on the lab manual link and all of their labs for the whole year are posted electronically. That one's really cut and dry and, and a, a nice, easy switch for a lot of science teachers to make because you all the labs you've already got, you just you know, embed them in your site and they're there for students to access. Um, digital breakouts, you know, break escape rooms as you might uh, know them a little bit better, just doing that digitally out of a Google site where the, instead of a physical room, they've got the Google site where they're interacting with links and trying to solve puzzles all framed within that. Again, guys, you're kind of the digital breakout expert here. And we, we, both of us present a fair bit on these things. Um, what would you say is like the main means? I think we, a lot of the times we embed like an image, right, in the Google site, and that's what they navigate with. But there's there's a lot of ways you can set up your digital breakout. Yeah, for me, I like to to have have an image there, and then I hide clues within that image. That's one way of doing it. Sometimes I just make. Uh, four or five different images that represent clues. It all depends on how many of these students have done. A lot of times the when they have to find stuff in an image, they really like that because it brings another level of, I don't know, gamification to it. It's almost like a scavenger hunt within a picture. But all in all, I mean, you could set these up a ton of different ways. I've seen a thing link used to run one of them uh, on a Google site. I've seen, I don't know, there's just several of different ways to do it. I've, I've seen hyperlinks within Google sites being the, the mechanism which students find clues. So there's a lot of different ways of doing this. We'll, we'll throw some uh, tutorial uh, videos in the show notes to kind of help with this. Yep. And then the last one that uh, I've used Google sites for is, I guess, bigger picture is like a place to house the rules for a class game that you're going to play. Uh, for us, this has been typically we model the game after the TV show, The Amazing Race. 
um, where, you know, on the real show, contestants are traveling around the world from spot to spot. But in the Google Sites version, they travel from basically page to page and they can't get to each page unless they've solved certain clues. And the clue lets the, gives them the URL to the next page. So they, you know, in sort of this uh, pretend world there, you know, they go to the France page and then they complete all the challenges and do some kind of learning on the France page. And then, you know, they do all that. And then they've got the URL to the Germany page or the China page or whatever it is. And they sort of travel around that way. I like sites for this because I can embed everything. I can embed docs. I can embed links to other resources and articles. I can embed a Google sheet where it keeps track of their points. Um, I think the, the main message here with Google Sites is that aspect of embedding everything else that Google has to offer all in one place makes it so easy to use for those purposes. All right. I think we should probably head on to our last couple here. And uh, we're not a Google Classroom school, so Classroom is very tough for us. So what we did is we found a couple of different ways that other teachers have used uh, Google Classroom. Uh, the two that I found most interesting is one, uh, you can create polls uh, within your Google Classroom get some instant data there and I think that's huge and the other thing is is you can assign students group activities so everyone in that group was within one location working on a uh, project I really like those two breakouts but it's very hard for us to to talk through experience on that one because we are not allowed to use it and then the last one I'll throw out here and this is something I just have started uh, diving into and that is Jamboard and using Jamboard as an interactive whiteboard. If you uh, if you take uh, something like, I don't know, Equatio and you make all your comments ahead of time, I could see how Jamboard could be used to uh, really push out math problems, uh, maybe stoichiometry for you or maybe the Hardy-Weinberg theorem for me. A lot of people are, have been asking us for a virtual whiteboard that, you know, is sufficient. And I, I think that this is the answer. And I'm going to reference Kim Matina on this uh, just because she has put a lot out there recently on Jamboards and how you could use them and tutorials. So I'll make sure that I post the most recent YouTube video that uh, Kim released. I think it's uh, great quality. It's great professional development for something that is free out there. Now, yes, there is a, like a $5,000. I'm making up a number. I know it's in the thousands. Uh, there is a Jamboard that you could purchase and that's supposed to make it even more interactive. But I think the virtual Jamboard that you just use your uh, laptop for is perfectly fine for some of the projects that we can use. It goes very well with screencasting. So that's one use that I would use for it. So that's going to bring us to the end of our list of 40. I know there was a lot there but uh, hopefully you found one or two things that you might want to take a look at i encourage you to go back to the show notes and see what templates that we've put in there for you or resources because we might just put some uh, videos that you can use that will help you create these activities for your classroom You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTech. So that about wraps it up for episodes 58 and 59, our list of 40 G Suite activities for students. We hope everyone got some good ideas or inspired the creation of some new ideas, uh, which is even more exciting. Remember to stay tuned for the rest of our series, episodes 60, 61, and 62. We'll continue our thorough coverage of G Suite activities as we look at some add-ons and extensions that can take Google Docs, Slides, Forms, Meet, and Sheets to even greater 
greater heights in your classroom. So stay tuned and look out for those future episodes. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.